Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. White Sox fans, guess what? It's Podcast 105 on the Mothership. I'm lucky enough to host this Mothership podcast. My name is Brett Palantini. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a rare moment of good cheer for the White Sox coming off of two straight uh, victories. And listen, this is a relatively rare Mothership podcast. Usually we have like a round table. We got to have like a get to know you question because there's 18 different voices you got to try to associate if you're listening. You know, really, hey, people, just watch. Makes it a little easier. Plus, you get to see all the visual antics. But this time, guess what? I mean, this is a throwback episode. Crystal O'Keefe and I have done many one-on-one uh, podcasts in the past. Um, but, uh, you know, listen, we're doing it again. Uh, from Ellison, you've heard her on such podcasts as Soxy Chicks, not on our SB Nation network, or at least the Southside Sox network, but also, come on, Estrogen Power Hour. Uh, oh, uh, uh, what the heck is it? Um, come on, help me out. It's the uh, uh, podcast. For God's sake. Uh, it's Sam's. Uh, what the heck oh. is it? Uh, we do our um, White Sox group therapy. <laughs> group therapy. How can I forget group therapy? We all need it. Uh, so oh, listen, there's not a million of them, but hey, nearest and dearest to our heart, you know, it, it's the first, it's the original, it's a Southside Sox podcast. Uh, Crystal, as believe it or not, I welcome in the other half 
of the Indianapolis field office. Joe I could always count on Joe. Exactly. Joe, Joe, he, he heard, he saw the bat signal. He saw the Southside Sox logo flashing in the sky and now he's going to come and join us, but uh, just uh, catch me up and where you're at. Uh, road trip started rough. We knew it was going to be a tough one with the blue Jays uh, and the Rays, two tough teams, uh, but uh, ended up somehow scraping two wins uh, out of six. I guess that's sort of a high note. Yeah. Um, I actually, I just read something like they no longer face the Red Sox, the Yankees, and I think the Rays, and yep. they went 11 and eight. So I, I can't be too Take that mad. Take least. I mean, I can't be too mad when they're going against, you know, Red Sox were heating up and mm-hmm. Yankees obviously are too good. So, you know, mm-hmm. that was promising. Yeah. Yeah, it's two wins. Uh, okay, the uh, in the other cubicle, I don't know, he, he was sort of snoozing. And, you know, again, as I said to you, Crystal, he saw the Southside Sox logo flashing in the sky and said, uh-oh, it's podcast time. It's Super Joseph Reese also joining us on this podcast number 105. Okay, the uh, the tip-off, Joe, is just, hey, listen, it could have been a lot uglier. It certainly could have been an 0-6 road trip. It turned out just to be a 2-4. and Not great, but certainly probably going in, even if the Sox were playing pretty well, you'd be like, okay, Going to Tampa and going to Toronto, you'll take two out of six. You're going to feel okay with that. Uh, is that what you're at, uh, given how this ended up? For sure. There is a lot of work still to be done here. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself with, with this team. You know, obviously, it was a great ending to this uh, road trip. But, I mean, it feels almost a little bit of like deja vu from a couple of weeks ago after yeah. they you know, won those two games against the Yankees. Yeah. Um, I was feeling pretty confident going forward after that. And after they had climbed back above 500 temporarily um, after you know, beating, w- winning back-to-back games against a really tough Yankees team. Um, yeah. So winning back-to-back games in Tampa Bay like that, you can't take it for granted, but um, yeah, overall looking at the big picture, still not out of the woods yet and um and certainly at almost at the one third mark of the season being under 500 is absolutely not where they want it to be so um gotta get really they need to be above 500 before i have any sort of seriously positive yeah. emotions about the the season yeah the sucker punch that is the 2022 chicago white Sox. just when they pull us back in they disappoint us again all right let me hit you with some stats because you know i like to do that 25 and 27. This time I got the record right, Joe. 25 and 27. Uh, five back in Minnesota in third place. Go figure. Two better teams. <laughs> a third of the way through the season. Uh, but as Steve Stone points out, just three back in the loss column. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Um, <laughs> the run differential isn't good. It's um, minus 56. That's not good. No. Um, that tracks them for a 62 win season, which is where they've been at. Again, last year we kept, I kept throwing out there the statistic nobody cares about. Run differential, kept throwing it out like, hey, they're on a 99 win pace or a 95 win pace. They're on a 102 win pace. You know, we kept throwing it out there. And, you know, listen, they ended up pretty much, despite um, sort of run out of gas at the end of the season, they pretty much held to it. And they certainly got well into the 90s, which not many of us thought they do. So we're definitely not... Um, guaranteeing the White Sox are going to be a 60-ish win team. But right now, that's how they're playing. And frankly, you almost got to hand it to Tony La Russa. Um, and I know no one wants to hear that, but uh, this team should be terrible. This team should have 20 wins based on that run differential. Even when they win, 
they are barely scraping by. He is finding ways to get wins in last year. Uh, he did the opposite. So, you know, if we criticize him for it last year, <sighs> reluctant, um, reluctant credit um, so far this year, but okay, let's project a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw this to the field office here soon to see exactly what the White Sox can do. Uh, sports talk that, that, that Twitter account that you sort of love, <laughs> you love to read because they come up with some crazy stuff that sort of haunts your dreams, uh, threw out that, uh, the parallels, uh, I guess this was maybe a Jay Kuda thing, but they sort of amplified it. And that was how the 1983 White Sox finished with 99 wins. They started basically the same way through X amount 20 games and through whatever, 40 some games. Uh, okay. Well, if they're going to win 99 games, this 2022 team needs to go 69 and 41. That's not going to happen. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They need to go 74 and 36. That's not going to happen to equal last year's win total, which I believe Joe was 94 wins. I don't know. 94, 95. I forget. 93. 93. <laughs> oh, well, all right. I can't adjust my math that easily, but clearly they don't have to do as well. Uh, I had them at 69, 41. I guess that's just 68 and 42. That's not going to happen. So maybe realistically, knowing this division is going to be great right now, both uh, run differential wise, Cleveland and Minnesota both tracked to 90 wins. That sounds like a division winning total for the AL Central. I said, hey, <laughs> this division's terrible. Let's say 89. 89 seems realistic for the White Sox. Just to, get 89, just to get to 89 wins, the White Sox need to go 64 and 46 the rest of the way. 18 over seems doable. I mean, we're certainly not going to be talking about playoffs if they can't go 18 over the rest of the way. So obviously 99 is clownish, uh, 93, 94, 95, whatever it was last year. Okay. 93 Joe, um, seems, seems like a stretch, but not impossible. 89 seems realistic. And frankly, it might not take that much to get into the playoffs from the AL central, uh, crystal Joe, where are you tracking the white Sox for wins, uh, at this point in terms of something that's that's realistic, maybe best case, but then maybe what's also realistic. I put them around like 75. Just, I, I don't see them not going to find that gear, higher, but yeah. yeah. So this really is going to be like a 1984 revisited, which, uh, which uh, funny Jay Kuda and, and white Sox talk did not like, you know, throw that out there that the season after 1983 was, was about as disappointing. This is the one I keep citing to everyone uh, in terms of so far, this is very early, but this would definitely be a 1984 season because, because that team was riding so high and they were awful and they were never in it. They were in first place, I think at the all-star break. And then Holy cow, did they tank the second half? So maybe the white Sox would do the reverse this year. Joe, what do you think in terms of realistic? Are you any more optimistic than 75 wins for this team? I'd give them 87 at this point. Uh, yeah. I am. Yes. Mommy's beginning to lose me in terms of my confidence in him to rebound. And I had him pegged as a four war player this year, which yeah, he, there's just no way he'll come close to that. I don't think uh, anymore, unfortunately. Um, there are, yeah, this is yeah the part of the season where I be, begin to kind of say like, okay, yeah, this player is just having a rough year and I, I don't really see it, you know, turning around. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I think he falls into that category and I'm getting to that point with Moncada with, you know, how even, even though he was injured, of course, like it, yeah, he's really been, been struggling uh, this year. And you know, th those are a couple of players who I had yeah. high hopes for. So 
And he's always injured. That's a problem too. I mean, you know, you can't Mm -hmm. say like, well, when he gets healthy, it's like sort of with uh, Luis too. It's like, well, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. In that miracle season when, when they're both, when they play 160 games, like even with Tim Anderson, you can't say that he's never had a full season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. There are some positives that uh, that uh, you know res- would have to happen for them to get even to eighty-seven with uh, their them being off to kind of this slow start as it is. But yeah, I think you know, their division is easy enough, and mm-hmm. their schedule, um, you know, it, it, throughout the second half of this of the season will be you know, it, it'll it'll be friendly enough to where. Um, and they'll be able to get away with some suboptimal play. Um, and I, I think um, Lance Lynn coming back will make a big difference. Um, so, yeah, I, I do have some some hopes. Um, but, uh, yeah, tough to – yeah, I, I'd go with 87 now. I want to st- stick with this, but a, a quick sidebar. In your memories – and I know, I know there's been – I mean, Adam Dunn was just a huge – and then he, like, teased us with that middle season, I want to say – uh, where he did have a big power say so I mean he's a guy who comes to mind but this isn't just we're all like high on Yaz and we you know we love him and all that and you know um and you know we love his low average because he you know gets somebody and stuff which is all great I mean he had a great season last year but I mean his baseball perspective I think perspective or Pakoda had him as the best catcher in the game this year had him I want to say as like the fifth best hitter in the game his his projected war was extraordinary now granted even when you saw it you're like Huh? Okay. That, wow. That's, that's really kind him. But I mean, okay. Like you're saying, Joe, four wars seem realistic, especially given everything he brings to the table and doesn't have to have a 300 average for you to say, man, this guy is all-star quality and he really contributes to the team. So uh, boy, I I don't know if there are players that come to mind quickly. that are like from what, not just we in our, in our hopes as fans projected, but just baseball projected as being great, I guess, Dunn comes to mind for some reason, but Dunn was never the player that Yasmina Grandal is. This is this is really an extraordinary bottoming out. And let's hope it's not a bottoming out, just maybe an offseason. They still owe him money. He's still going to be with the White Sox. Let's hope this, you know, this isn't like like Adam Dunn that first year is like, holy cow, he's still with this team. You can't do anything with this guy. Um, you know, hopefully there is a climb out for Yasmani. But I related to that where where do either i mean i guess crystal you don't really see the white Sox climbing out of this but if they were to uh and joe you do see them climbing out to some degree where on this roster are we going to see the up in performance that we need a lot of guys we're seeing the the copex of the uh, of the team he's pitching about he's probably pitching better than you would have expected okay let's say he's even going to give you what he's given you so far the rest of the year even though he's not going to give you full season of innings uh, Lynn is a guy you mentioned, Joe, that, you know, is coming and in theory should be given the, the White Sox a punch and an upgrade on whatever, whatever spot he's taking Vince Velasquez or whoever. Um, but I'm not really sure I'm seeing a lot of guys underperforming in a way that's so extraordinary that the natural kick, you know, uh, Jose Abreu's already started to warm up. Yasmani would be a guy if he can wake up. Obviously, there's a huge because the catching spot to look like who was saying the again, not just us we're saying the, the best catching core in the majors is not the best catching core in the majors. Is there an obvious spot, a pen, rotation, a, a single player that we can really point to to say, hey, you know, this is the guy who's going to wake up and sort of lead us to those 87 wins or, you know, again, Crystal, if it's even 500, uh, if there's going to be a bit of a miracle run second uh, two-thirds of the season, um, who's it going to who's, who's come from? 
I come from Andrew Vaughn and Adam Engel. I mean, they're the only two that are doing anything right now, which is really sad when you think about, you know, he's basically, Andrew Vaughn's basically a rookie and Adam Engel's the guy that you just kind of throw in wherever. But when they don't play for whatever reason that day, you notice it and you notice they suck and you rely on maybe AJ Pollock to do something. So I think they are going to be kind of the glue that holds a string of wins together because again, they're the only ones really doing anything. Yeah. And that's a problem. Vaughn is a guy you'd think if anything is playing, might be playing what you expected, probably a little better than what you've anticipated. So for him to give you a kick, that's going to make up a a win or two, that's probably, you know, that's probably not coming, whether it's because Tony doesn't want him play or because he can't do much more than he's already doing. Joe, is there a, is there a gap again beyond Yasmani? Because that would be a, you know, that would be terrific. If he, if he's the player that we thought he was before the season, well, that's going to help big and and maybe even sort of like spread to a couple other guys kicking into gear is there an obvious spot beyond lynn you know who we just haven't had uh where you think uh, where you see them getting to that 87 because they're not playing at 87 pace right now could larry garcia make another big recovery like he did like he did last year last year he got off to that really slow start and then <laughs> hey joey's gonna get the opportunity <laughs> we know that Yes, he's getting yeah, still lots of playing time. Um, I, I mean, we yeah, we've we've seen it happen before from him. I'm not counting on it though. Um, yeah, um, maybe Carlos Perez gets called up. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, that's tough when the catching core is like, okay, well maybe Carlos Perez will come up and do well. Uh, you know, I, I don't. You know, I don't have a lot of answers. Obviously, it doesn't take a guy to like come out of nowhere and be a five war player, you know, through the the the, the last two thirds of the season. Uh, and maybe can't just be Robert uh, staying healthy and, and performing the way we think. And, you know, it could be a, a bunch of guys. That's probably is what it's going to take. Um, and that's the thing that troubles me when I look at the roster. I think, well, all right. I mean, is everybody I've clearly offense is underperforming. That's a problem. But I mean, is there one guy who's going to be able to step up aside from ground down? If we think he's slightly cooked, well, that's a problem because that's a, that's one of the guys you're really going to need to run an anchor leg here to get the team into the eighties for wins. You know, uh, Crystal's not being pessimistic. You look at the run differential. She's being very optimistic and Joe, you know, I'll have what he's having because Holy cow, you know, 87 does not look realistic right now, but again, Something in the 80s is going to win this division. I don't think it's going to even get to 90s. And that that really is the answer here. What we're depending on is this: the rest of the teams in this division just suck so badly. The fact that the White Sox, I guess, have played. I don't know this for sure. It seems like Minnesota's uh, schedule has been trashed. So they're going to have a rougher go. But I'm not sure where uh, the White Sox compare with Cleveland. Uh, it almost seems like what we're hoping is just, okay, well, they're going to fall. They're going to fall back to the pack because they're going to play some tougher teams, which is not an unrealistic way to go about it. It certainly does not breed confidence, whether it's in winning division, but certainly not into the postseason of like this backing in 83 and 81 to win, a, you know, to, to win some sort of, you know, I mean, Hey, I guess you just got to get there, but it's tough not to be able to point to something. Okay. When Lance Lynn and three other guys come back. Okay. Well, this is going to be a completely different team. Problem is Lance Lynn's going to come back. And then, and then Kopech is, he's going to be sitting for a while. He, you're lucky to get probably a start a week from him the rest of the way. If you expect to have him playing the, the uh, pitch in the playoffs, <laughs> the playoffs, uh, it's sort of like we're cornered already. And it's so early in the season. It's, it's, it's rough. Am I missing something? No, 
You're not. And I agree <laughs> with I'm I am terrified. I mean, I want Lancelin to come back, but at the same time, you're not giving Michael Kopeck any innings and he's just gonna regress. Mm-hmm. Like I hate to think that, but he's not getting warm at all. He's gonna regress and he needs more starts mm. because he's been so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh okay, well we um we're going to do a little game show uh, leading off the second half. We're going to talk a little bit about fan gatekeeping. Oh, we got plenty of fun stuff to talk about. It can't just be about the White Sox because it gets a little depressing. 75 wins, 87 wins. It wasn't what we wanted. <sighs> 75 is optimistic right now. Just looking at the run differential. It's rough. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back in a minute with the Indianapolis field office. It's a special Indianapolis field office edition of the Southside Sox podcast. Hang with us. Learn more about Indianapolis, uh, cooking, um, Sox math, all sorts of things. Hang with us. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? I'm not in Indianapolis, but that makes me the oddball because it's an Indianapolis field office, Southside Sox Mothership Podcast. It's 105, Super Joseph Reese's and Crystal O'Keefe manning that office and uh, joining cubicles, uh, joining me for this podcast. First half, we talked about how even though the White Sox ended the road trip the way they needed to end it, good Lord, um, it's still rough. It's rough going when we look ahead. So let's just take a pause. Maybe we'll get back to the White Sox and how they need to like win a series against the Los Angeles Dodgers this week or whatever. Maybe we'll get to that uh, as time runs out, but uh, let's play a game. And here's the game. It plays off of a lot of the tone that we've had recently on site. We've had a lot of sort of op-ed pieces that are very critical of the White Sox, deservedly so. Uh, We had Zach Hayes with his evaluation of Rick Hahn's uh, trading history. And, you know, if you didn't read it, you should have. Go read it now. I'm not going to give you the. All right. The spoiler is it's really bad. Um, We had uh, uh, the debut piece from Brian O'Neill, which uh, uh, dug into uh, Tony La Russa. It was a sort of a a higher minded piece, but certainly dug into uh, Tony's, I don't know, almost trolling the fan base a little bit uh, with these lineups. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Sunday morning, we published a Mark Liptak's piece, which basically identified the uh, four horsemen of the White Sox apocalypse. And three of them are actual pe- people, and one is just injuries. That's a big bugaboo for Mark. I'm not really sure the White Sox are that much more horrible than the rest of the major leagues, but somebody will do a study to tell me I'm wrong or right on that. But here's the game. The game is, friends in Indianapolis, the game is you can remove... If I, if I knew reality shows better, I'd like vote people off the island or something, but I don't. So I'm not really, we're not really playing a game show, but if you can remove just one, one of these people from the White Sox, they're, they're gone. They don't have to die, but they're gone. And the three are Jerry Reinsdorf, Rick Hahn, or Tony La Russa. Who do you choose? You can only choose one. Who do you choose to remove from the White Sox organization? This is a sick game, but hey, you did this to us, White Sox. Uh, Crystal Joe, let me know. I'm going with Jerry because if Jerry is gone, Rick might 
have the balls, the kahunas, to fire Tony, and that's two birds, one stone. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to jump. Go, but jo- yeah. Jerry, for sure. I'm going to jump in front of Joe because you sort of took my answer, but your reasoning was a little different. My reason is even more, uh, uh, more of a bloodbath, Crystal, and that is if Jerry's gone, then the new owner is going to say, "What is this clown ass organization?" Rick, bye bye. Of course, Tony, bye bye. Tony probably wouldn't you know, survive Jerry being gone, you know, maybe literally, but uh, yeah, that is my thinking too. It's sort of a cheat. And uh, you know, Joe, I, I, I challenge you to um, not just fall in line with that, but uh, yes, that was also my thinking crystal. So that's why I, I jumped in in front of you, Joe. Okay, Joe, what is your choice? This is a very good question. And I like <laughs> the rationale behind it that you both use. I, I would I went in a different direction. I, yeah, I'm not just going to concur with this one. Um, I, I was thinking Han, actually, because just the way that how consistently he seems to make poor decisions with how to spend money. Like, uh, I would say a few years ago, I would have absolutely taken Jerry because there you have just very limited options when, as a general manager, you're just kind of, being forced to keep your payroll, you know, under whatever, 130, 140 million. But yeah, this, like this year, especially has kind of convinced me like, okay, he had a lot, he had a pretty high ceiling in terms of how much he was allowed to spend on players. And we are seeing some poor results to say the least from the off season acquisitions this year. And it's just kind of a, a very consistent theme. Like, okay. Yeah. We, in the mid 2010s, um, couldn't couldn't find ways to efficiently spend money around sale Quintana, a high performing at the time, Adam Eaton, Jose Abreu, mm-hmm. um, Todd Frazier. Like that team with that course should have been able to win, but they they couldn't because you know they couldn't just find the right players to surround those guys. And you know, I thought at that point, like there was kind of an excuse of like, okay, well, he wasn't really allowed to spend, but yeah, and again, here we are a few years later having the same issues with um, a, like a good good core, a lot of, like a few really high performing players on the team, but uh, just not enough players, you know, surrounding them. Yeah, and yeah, just not money is did get spent uh, quite a bit this this past offseason, but not in a good way. Yeah, that was something damning in um, Zach's piece, and that is. Rick has not found, he's not found anything under a rock and you have to do that. Ken Williams, for all the criticism, he's made some bad trades too. He's, you know, he, thank God he was the GM at a time when there weren't like, you know, as frequent a, a memes because he'd be, you know, memed to death with his like, you know, fans don't come out, we're not spending. And, you know, just, you know, Kenny gets his man, all that stuff. Um, but you know, he found guys. And I mean, obviously a lot of that, you know, you saw coalesce, uh, for, uh, 2005, of course, a guy was with career years that came out of nowhere, but I mean, when you really drill down with Rick, I mean, it's to the point where he's really almost found nobody. And that's, that's, that's actually, that's pretty hard to do it. You just think you stumble into it. I mean, I'm sure there's some of the guys under Ken Williams that really were maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Rick Hahn, you know, buttonhole that guy or whatever, like maybe Jose Cantana, maybe that was, 
Maybe that was a Rakan, you know, find or, or, or choice. Who knows? But, you know, he doesn't get credit for that. He, he wasn't the guy at the time. And I think that's particularly damning. And it does make your choice uh, you, predictably less bloody. That's what I think I would get from you, uh, Joe. But, I, you know, that would be tempting. If I was really pressed, it's not this like fantasy scenario where like just the whole, you know, they just cut the, the ownership suites out of the ballpark and replace them with new ones. Uh, would Rickon would be a very tempting choice. And, and really, I think it does come down to just maybe this last calendar year. Because, you know, I know he's handcuffed to some degree with, you know, Tony, but oh, come on, handcuffed. He's, you know, still hire the guy. I'm sorry. I know we probably didn't have a choice, but come on. Uh, but yeah, the, that fact that he did get to spend, the fact that there were deals, he like painted himself in a corner with Craig Kimbrell, the guys, he, 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 he signed 20 other bullpen guys. This is a real clown show off season. And man, we are seeing some, I mean, you know, really crystal sober answer to what this team is going to win this year at this point we're pretty we're getting deep into the season at 75 wins and that's actually technically that's optimistic all of it you know i can hear crystal say I'm, come on 75 wins they're gonna win more than 75 against not not based on where it's going no they are not which is crazy <laughs> my goodness i mean wow this actually has the potential to beat 1984 in terms of disappointment i guess it depends on how it all ends up uh okay game show um, portion over where you, you both uh, do depart with a copy of the Southside Sox Mothership Podcast home game. Enjoy it. It's fun. Uh, and okay, let's get, <laughs> let's get back to some more weirdness with the White Sox. Again, I'll probably try to link to maybe Zach's tweet. I think he said it really well in response to Steve Stone today. And that is basically, yeah, listen, I won't even try to paraphrase. It's just sort of what are you, what are you doing? Uh, it's not me. I don't represent the White Sox, Crystal, you don't, Joe, you, you don't, uh, we can say what we want. And we, and by the way, we're positive and we're negative. Southside Sox account positive when things are going well, negative, maybe even too negative sometimes. Okay, fine. But we're probably also a little bit too high when things are going well. Uh, that's being a fan. Let that's, you know, Steve Stone is not that. And the idea that this guy now, this is like a dozen times he is, he is basically taken fans just like out to the shed to beat them over i mean i don't think any of the times i've seen him i don't think anybody's been outright rude yeah i mean sure there are people reply to him with expletives or whatever okay but usually it's just hey i am that's that's you know that's crazy steve how can you think this rotation is going to do blah 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 and he just i don't know it's like some kind of strange like my is it like a macho old man thing or something i do not understand this like aggression he has he i mean you know i want to tell the guy if i could talk to him now it's like dude i already got a dad and i don't particularly like him either and he he acts like you i don't need two of them and i don't need one of them on social media for god's sake tone it down man zach said it in a much much better way uh he did a great job with that and he's not the only one uh but what is going on with maybe the most prominent Sole representative of the team. Jason Benetti jumps around. He's doing all sorts of sports. He does other baseball. Sole voice of this team beating up fans. Yeah, I don't know. Unless Jerry's like paying him per tweet to defend this team. I don't like he is a joy on the broadcast. Yes. Like I have been miserable with Gordon. Miserable. Yes. I see his tweets. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't get it. Like these are the most boomer takes <laughs> I've ever seen. Like we're allowed to be pissed. The team is 
terrible right now. Like we're allowed to do that. We don't have to just enjoy this <laughs> enjoy the roller ride. coaster ride that Steve Stone is on. But oh my, like I don't think he's watching the same team that we are. There's no way. He's either getting paid by Jerry or he is tuned into a totally different game. Crystal, you sound like you are not enjoying the ride. Uh, okay, listen, Joe, you, listen, you're a guy. Hey, we even came together sort of based on all this. You're the Sox math guy. I'm like, hey, look at this guy named Joe. Maybe he wants to do something with Southside Sox. And Joe's like, oh, God, this guy's bugging me. Okay, I'll say yes. Uh, okay, listen. And obviously both of you are, you know, you do, you do a lot of, uh, you know, tweets. You thought, I mean, we all, we all sort of do. That's the way we watch games now, right? Uh, Joe, what's your take on Steve Stone? What's the deal, man? I mean, you've gone up to the booth and met the guy. Um, yeah, for uh, for our first interaction, that is not at all how I remember it going <laughs> with, with me, like reluctantly saying yes to the offer. <laughs> That's not exactly how that went. Um, all right. But <laughs> um. <laughs> The yeah, it, I I have a lot of respect for for Steve Stone. I'm all things considered, I'm I'm glad he's the color commentator for the White Sox. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Met the guy briefly in person. He was very friendly then. It, I, it, sometimes on social media, I I just wish he would just be quiet. I I mean, like, yeah, it's just very unnecessary sometimes with the the these pointless arguments with fans. Like I feel like why just why not just ignore people now and again? Like like is it is it really important for him to be just like having these like aggressive responses to frustrated fans? Like I don't get what he's trying to accomplish here. Yeah. And the 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 idea that maybe Jerry's paying him to do that that <laughs> that, that, that explanation makes more sense than any plausible. I can think of really actually. <laughs> Yeah. And it's not even the, the, okay. We all know, okay. The argument's silly. I get drawn into it. I mean, maybe we all have, I don't, okay, fine. I know we're arguing silly. It's all, it's like the extra, like the guy's down, he kicks people in the head. It's the extra shot. It's not even the argument, which we can agree is pointless. Like, dude, you're like a millionaire. You're like, you're okay. You're a man about town. You got dogs, you got cool socks. You're, you got a great gig. Okay. You know, you win. And then he's got, he's like, he's like cheap shotting everybody. It's like, what? What is the thinking there? What has got him so riled? I mean, clearly he just sort of doesn't understand how it works. And that is like a, ha ha, you know, that's just like boomer. That's like the old man take. I, I get that he sort of doesn't really understand how this is supposed to work. I can only imagine what my father would be doing on social media, for God's sake. But I mean, beyond that, at some point, Brooks Boyer's had to have said, hey, Steve, could you just not do that? Could you just do less of that? Could you just not do that? Or when you do it once, can you say, all right, okay, all right, I did, whoops, and now I'm done. You know, and I'm going to give myself a timeout. You know, the White Sox have had to say something. I mean, I love Crystal's theory because it is very plausible, but that's like a sidebar deal. You know that officially he's had to have been talking to just say, hey, can you, Panetti's probably been like, what are you doing? Do you, I don't know if you watched the game, they were playing the Guardians and they had to bleep Steve Stone multiple times because he kept referring to them as, you know, their old name. Like I, (laughs) thought I was maybe like high or something and I was like I don't know what why are they bleeping this when they were talking about them (laughs) and then I realized he's not saying guardians he refuses to give this up and they bleeped him until he stopped (laughs) I I did that something's wrong up there yeah shaking his tiny fist you're not gonna take me you know listen I get you grew up he grew up an Indians fan. I'm sorry that's been taken from you, Steve. I am. I'm sorry, but come on, man. Jeez. Uh, 
Yeah, well, Zach did a great job. Uh, and a lot of people chiming in like, come on, dude, you know, I mean, you know, I've been blocked by him. Um, I know, you know, there are many people who have been um, over re- and the reasons are never then the reasons are, are never reasonable. I mean, I'm sure he has blocked plenty of people like cussed at him or something. I mean, okay, yeah, you know, keep it above board. He doesn't like that. You keep it above board. You give him a counterpoint. I mean, this is totally like talking to your father, for God's sake. It's like, holy cow. I mean, you, you know, just a guy, a, a guy who can't concede a point is fine if he's like the guy, you know, doing the barbecue in the backyard. This is really probably the most prominent voice on your team, which is, you know, maybe sad, but really in his role, he's terrific. And it is different from the way he approached it with the Cubs, which is ironic, um, especially now that the marquee does not allow like dissents on their programming. If you criticize the Cubs, you like, they stop the taping, they erase the tape. Um, strange, but that he's like flipped in a way that's, I mean, he has every right to think, oh, you know, things are going to be, he has a right to be sunny to the point where it's like, what's, what's wrong with you, you know, Steve, right? Um, but the idea that there's no approach opposing idea when this team, I mean, this isn't a team that's doing well. And we're just like, well, they're not on a hundred win pace. What's wrong with them? This team is terrible. And he's, and he's saying, well, there are only three games behind the loss column. Like it's a win. Yeah. Do that's you think really that Hawk would like body white Sox fans on Twitter too. If he definitely not. given, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, this is very Hawk. And in fact, Hawks like sunniest Hawk was so critical of the team, they named him general manager at a time way back when. He became a lot more of a a strange sort of like grumpy apologist, I guess. Like he'll run down to the locker room to save a guy who had just been hurt, but, you know, then he goes silent. He became a very weird character, a very, very uh, detestable (laughs) character at the end of his career. But he's a guy who even wasn't like, wasn't afraid to say say what it was. So, uh, yeah, I don't... Hawk would have to like learn how to turn the phone on. So, I mean, it probably just wouldn't have it because clearly Steve barely knows and he, he's just doing terrible damage with it. I mean, it's funny that the inside joke is like, he doesn't know, isn't that, that's like a running joke, right? He doesn't know how to operate something. He's always playing, you know, he's like Jason teases him because he like, you know, he still reads a print newspaper or something, right? And yet, you know, he's like doing all this damage, you know, then Eddie like stays out of the fray. He doesn't even like, you know, like, like things. He just sort of like just does his thing and he takes the compliments and, you know, what cool. Takes a criticism, probably knows to like not not respond to criticism. And Steve Stone is just man; he is just off the deep end. Yeah, he really is like the he really is the OK Boomer T-shirt of the White Sox, and it's crazy because his broadcasts are still good, his insights still really good. He hasn't he's not, he hasn't Harry carried himself. He hasn't he hasn't. Uh, I mean, literally the announcer, not literally, but the announcer Harry <laughs> Carey. Uh, he hasn't Ken Harrelson himself. I mean, you know, Hawk. Man, he he needed to retire a few years before he retired. Steve's still there. It's just boy on Twitter. Just on Twitter, he should re- he should retire from Twitter. Too. Ah, uh, well, it's fun to talk about this. It's unfortunate that we don't have like a lot more wins to talk about. And we're instead we're talking about Steve Stone, and you know it may come up again. I think it has come up before. It unfortunately probably will come up again because he's not going to like give it up. I do not see him like you know with any kind of mea culpa like. Oh, you know, really, I haven't been professional on Twitter. You know, I'm going to be better about this. I'm going to be a little more encouraging. I'm just going to ignore the bad stuff. Boy, that would be crazy. That would be an April Fool's joke for sure. Uh, well, okay. Uh, you know, we'll probably talk again on one of these motherships here. You Maybe exclusively in the Indianapolis field office, maybe with actual more writers. Come on, Central Time Zone represents. It's, it's right in your wheelhouse. This isn't 6 o'clock in the morning Eastern Time. Come on, Central Time Zone. Stand up. Be on the podcast. Uh, welcome to all. Um, 
uh, hopefully under better circumstances. We've got a crazy homestand coming with the Dodgers and Texas. It's going to be weird. We can see, see Steel Walker and, and have and, and lament, lament some more about the trades now gone. Uh, but we'll be back with another podcast, surely, before you're ready for one. Uh, but thanks for listening, reading, watching. A ton of content. Big Dodgers series coming up. Enjoy the day off. 